Welcome in to Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two Foreign Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Today, Mike and I are going to be revisiting the best and worst 2019 and 2020 NFL draft classes. Need to do some reassessment on how those draft classes went. We had a lot of fun with the 2018 version. Going to do 2019 and 2020, looking at the best and worst NFL draft classes. Let's get it. Mike, you recently suffered a significant injury at mm. the gym, and we rarely get opportunities on this podcast to talk about your shortcomings because you don't see a ton. You know, I get hit left and right with bad dates and these types of things, but you were the biggest, uh, quoting you, biggest idiot at the gym the other day. Yeah. Talk to me about it. No, I, I mean, my shortcomings usually come from me getting hurt, doing dumb stuff. We talked about me breaking my hand uh, on a punching bag in Austin, Texas last month. Now I have a maybe, maybe serious back injury. We'll see. I'm not feeling great after I tried to play a little basketball yesterday, and I am barely able to walk this morning. But so uh, some background. I've always been kind of obsessed with dunking. Like that since I was a kid. <laughs> ever since the ever since the Vince Carter dunk contest back in two thousand. Same remember, with every other person on the planet. Back, I remember where I was. Like that changed my life, and I've been obsessed <laughs> with dunking ever since. And so I've, been, I've always wanted to try to dunk better. Uh, and so even at the age of thirty one, I'm still training as if I'm going to be able to dunk. And 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 I still can. Uh, not like I once was. I, I can still dunk a little bit, but I'm trying to get back there. Uh, and I box jump at the gym. And you, when you box jump at the gym, you look like a massive hardo. Like, I realize yeah, this. Yeah, I, I try not to. But, like, if you're jumping onto boxes stacked up to your nips, you look like an idiot uh, most of the time. And you even look more like an idiot when the top box slips off the top as you're trying to hit it, and you just fall flat back on your... Oh, my god! And so I... I'm laying there on the ground. The guy runs up to me. He's like, oh, you're okay. We're okay, okay. And actually, like, in the moment, it didn't actually hurt that much, but there's probably some adrenaline because I just, like, fucking slammed yeah, right yeah, flat yeah, on my back. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you fell really hard. And I'm like, yeah, I fucking know. I fell really hard. Jeez. You're like, come on. I just lived through that. Now, I didn't say that. I said, like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I, like, keep working out to act like as if I'm fine. Ten minutes later, I was not fine. I, I was, like, hobbling out the gym. Oh. Go back home. I lay in bed all day. This is last Thursday with just ice on my back. And I was supposed to go. I went to Chicago this past weekend to visit my brother, my nephews, my family. Uh, and I was supposed to golf with my brother all weekend. Couldn't golf. No way. Obviously. So we didn't. We had to cancel all those plans. So Dude, that's pretty salty awful. about it. But uh, I tried. Like I said, I tried to play a little basketball yesterday. And it's not good. So... Might have to be seeing a doctor here in the near future, but we'll see. Man, you hate to see that. You punched that thing the other time and could barely play drinking games, and then obviously now you hurt your back. That's kind of you're my, getting old. I, I think what I'm saying is you're getting old. I, it's not even that I'm getting old. That's just I've been injured a lot for someone who does not actually like play sports for a living. Like I, I have had you're kind of an idiot is what it yes, is. Yes, exactly. I, I'd be interested to pull you know all the female listeners we have on this podcast, which I'm sure is billions. Um, how many? If you saw, if you saw. A man box jumping at the gym. 
are you attracted or not attracted? Is it an attractive decision or an unattractive decision? Because I think some would say, oh, that's pretty hot. It was a 54-inch box jump to, to, oh. get, to, give me, <laughs> okay. to give myself some credit here. I can wow. get up to 60 when I really got it, but yeah. When your back's not freaking when destroyed. When my back's not destroyed, exactly. Uh, so when I've been doing these interviews, which if you've done an interview with us so far, freaking fantastic. I've done almost over 50, which is awesome, which has been a ton of fun talking to everyone who listens to 2 for Drafts. Someone said a really good idea for us in the summer would be to go on a double date and then recap it on the podcast. I I saw that, and we have to do it. That would be sensational. I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna have to get back on Hinge. I haven't been on, I haven't messaged a girl on Hinge since. God, I, it's been a minute. You're due, but maybe Send I get box back jumping on photos. and just lead with that. Like, hey, me and my buddy, do you have yeah, any friends? Just double date, for a double date. Yeah, I like it a just lot. Like, honestly, we'll bring a dozen. mic. We'll get Quinn there. Oh yeah, we'll bring producer secretly Quinn on the record side. It. <laughs> or not even secretly. We're just like, hey, he's here with a big ass camera recording this. Is that cool? Yeah, we can pretend it's a show. Well, it is a show. Well, anyway. All right. We'll go from here. We're going to move on now to revisiting the 2019 and 2020 NFL draft classes. We did all of the 2018 NFL draft classes, all 32 teams for here. But because we're covering two draft classes, we're going to focus on the end because you can't create a draft until three years out. You can't. You, you can't. really can't. You're, You're really not can't. allowed to. Don't oh, do gonna, it. We're rule breakers here. Don't today. do it. But we're going to look at the 2019 and 2018 or 2019 and 2020 draft classes and highlight the best and worst from that. David Sofaro, you're getting called out. David Sofaro, producer David Sofaro. We need timestamps by team, fella. YouTube needs timestamps by team, not by segment. So get on that. We need you, bud. We need you. Uh, David Sofar, big shout out to him as well. He's been the guy who's getting a ton of these interviews. That Tom Allen interview was fun. PJ Fleck on Monday. He is absolutely electric, dude. He is one of the craziest people I think I've ever met in my life. It was a wild interview. We're also talking to Tristan Wirfs in a couple days here. A lot of fun interviews on the books. David Sofar setting those up. But we need the timestamps, brother. Let's get it. I will say, you can can. You can know if a draft is good early on. I'm not sure you can write off a draft class until three years. Not at all. But you can say, hey, the Tampa Bay Bucks, they just fucking crushed that last draft. Mm-hmm. You know, they crushed 2020 draft. There's no, even if Tristan Wirfs gets hurt, whatever, has a downturn. No, they like evaluated it correctly and selected guys who are good. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if they continue to be good, or if they don't, or if it's like a Leighton Van Der Esch situation, it's like, I don't think the Cowboys messed up drafting Leighton Van Der Esch and him getting, suffering all these injuries and then, you know, having a downturn in his performance. They evaluate the talent correctly. It's just other ancillary factors happen. And that's kind of just like, that's why we say don't put all your eggs in one basket in the NFL draft is because even a guy, you can evaluate everything. You can be perfect in your evaluation and guys can still fail for reasons outside of your control. Absolutely. All right, let's jump now to the Green Bay Packers. They're first on our list from the 2019 NFL Draft. Originally given an above-average grade for their draft class. They grabbed Rashawn Gary of Michigan, the edge defender at 12. We were not high on that pick. We had Chase Winovich over Rashawn Gary in that draft class, but they take him at 12 overall. And at 21, another first-round pick, they take Darnell Savage out of Maryland, a guy we really liked coming out of Maryland, the safety there. And then Elton Jenkins was their other top 50 pick. Mm-hmm. Center, could play tackle. I know you've been banging the table for Elton Jenkins, and they could play a tackle. After that, only the other top 100 pick they had was Jace Sternberger, and then some outside the top 100, Kingsley Kiki, Kadar Holman, Dexter Williams, and Ty Summers. But really, where they're making their money is obviously with those first three picks. Because even yeah. if we didn't like their Sean Gary pick, he has gotten better. And he has turned in productive snaps for them up, down, down the stretch. Yeah. So they got three legitimate starters in their three top 50 picks, which is obviously going to make an excellent grade now when you say, look back. He's been no worse than Clune Furrow over the first two years. Clune Furrow went 10 picks higher. So, um, it's the two picks after that, though, that we love. I mean, Darnell Savage has been one of the better safeties in the NFL this past season. And then Elkton Jenkins, 
up there for the best guard in the NFL. And honestly, I think he's going to play tackle this year. I think he's going to be a damn good tackle. Like that guy loved him coming out. He was, where was he on our draft board? 26th on our draft wow. board, much higher than, I think he was the top in tier offensive alignment on our draft board that season, much higher than Garrett Bradbury on our list. Uh, Obviously, we'll get to the Cowboy or the Vikings draft when we get to the worst drafts in 2019. But yeah, Packers, this one, this one, and the Jair Alexander, the 2018, this has set kind of the foundation for them being back to back. Kind of the turnaround that we've seen the last two years. Now, we haven't loved their last two drafts, but remains to be seen. I also highlight Kingsley Kiki's played well. Uh, Loved that pick when he went there, fifth rounder, defense tackle. Excited to see what he can do with more snaps here. Elton Jenkins played over 1,000 snaps in each of his first two seasons in the NFL and cleared a 72.0 pass blocking grade in each of those seasons. His pass protection has been fantastic. Also some positional versatility there. Could play tackle this year. Yeah. He is he's awesome. Elton Jenkins, man. What a pick for them. All right. Moving off the Green Bay Packers and onto the San Francisco 49ers. We have them now as an excellent grade, but originally – Pulling up the grade here, sorry. Takes it was time. originally above average. Yeah, originally above average. They grabbed Nick Bosa at number two overall, Debo Samuel at number 36, Jalen Hurd out of Baylor at 67, the punter, Mitch Wisnowski out of Utah at 110, Drake Greenlaw has played well, pick at 148, and then after that, not a ton of high-end contributors, but Justin School, the offensive tackle out of Vanderbilt, has actually played for them as a depth piece, but still, Nick Bosa, Debo yeah. Samuel, that's where they're making their money. I was going to say, this, this is, again, the... First round, second round. You knock those. You get a Debo Samuel and a Nick Bosa in every draft. You are the best team in the NFL. Good, good Flat take. Up. Like good you, take. <laughs> obviously quarterback position, whatever. But like you have the best roster in the NFL. Because you think about that. That's you have eight then blue chip dudes on your roster on rookie control. If you do that for four straight seasons, that's that's what it takes to win the NFL. And then I'll, Dre Greenlaw is a solid linebacker, athletic dude. Uh, made Quan Alexander there expendable. So this was. <laughs> Just, this is, you know, if you don't take the quarterback position into account here, this might be the best draft uh, in 2019, just in terms of impact that impact players they got. Now, obviously, at the number two hour pick, you should have the best draft, you know, theoretically, but uh, really like this one. I want to use this opportunity to kind of reset on the San Francisco 49ers a little bit. There's been some conversation. John Lynch was on the Chris Collinsworth podcast recently. I don't know if you've heard that. It came out yesterday. It's fantastic. There's a quote in there where they're coming back from Justin Fields' pro day. And, and, and Jed York and John Lynch are raving about, man, that was a fantastic workout. This Justin Fields kid. They look to Kyle Shanahan. He's got the iPad out. It's like, oh, what's he doing? Looks over. He's, he's watching Trey Lance tape. And he's not watching Trey Lance tape. Oh. He's drawing up plays for Trey Lance. Oh. He's already drawn up plays for Trey Lance. So Kyle Shanahan was locked into Trey Lance from the jump. Right now, I think it's still plus money that he starts week one. I think the expectation right now is that Jimmy G starts week one. But they, use, they lose Robert Salah. Still going to run that same defense. Nick, Nick Bosa's coming back from injury. What is your opinion of the San Francisco 49ers team if they do use those plays that Kyle Shanahan drew up on that iPad and get Trey Lance starting as soon as week one. I'm of the opinion, I know I took them on the draft show as a bold Super Bowl you know, contender, uh-huh. but what's your opinion of Trey Lance starting week one and how competitive could this team be? They still defensively don't have the horses they had back in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl. 2018? 2019? I think so. Year. 2019. It was 2019. Um, I mean, obviously, Bosa coming off an injury, I would be surprised if he comes back and is just as dominant because that was about as dominant rookie year as you've seen. And obviously, ACL injuries, it's impactful to everyone besides like Adrian Peterson. So that one, you just can't expect him to be the same. Obviously, lose Richard Sherman. Uh, Chase Verrett's good, but Chase Verrett has one healthy season his entire NFL career. So I, I think you're going to see some sort of regression. This, the 2019 defense ain't walking through that door. So you're going to have to have some massive improvements offensively. Now they have a ridiculous collection of weapons there. And obviously, if Trey Lance 
can hit the ground running, but it's just like a rookie quarterback to get you to the Super Bowl. It's it's never happened. Yeah, that would be tough. I I, I do think they can be competitive, but if it, yeah. if it is Trey Lance for seventeen games and then into the postseason, I mean it's uphill it's uphill battle right there yeah. to win with a rookie quarterback like that. I'm interested in your take on NFC. On, also, is going to be a bloodbath with if Rodgers stays there. Like it's just. There's, Tampa a, there's a lot of high-end teams. Yeah, yeah, a lot of high-end teams. But I, I, it's interesting you brought up Nick Bosa, maybe not as dominant as he was when he comes back from the ACL injury. He is plus 700 to win comeback player of the year next year. I think that's fifth among comeback player of the year rankings. It's Dak at plus 175. I would never bet that in a million years. Plus 175? There are going to be higher week one odds. Like, they're, like they're going to be yeah, like... That is a ridiculous comeback player of the year odds, I would yeah, say. Yeah, because the next person on the list is Saquon Barkley at plus 600. Like, he is the favorite by a country mile. So you have Dak Prescott at plus 175, and then Saquon Barkley, Joe Burrow, and Christian McCaffrey are all at plus 600, and then you have Nick Bosa but, at plus but, 700. But it is such a comeback player of the year, such a like a popularity contest mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really have to do with how well you play it's were you a big name that came back absolutely yeah yeah you i know, mean look at alex smith last year exactly yeah so it's it's not necessarily which is always scary to bet on those award stuff when you're betting futures on awards it's not always going to be betting on yeah. the player that's the best that comes back or you know highest graded if you look at defensive rookie of the year or offense rookie of the year, it's gonna be who's got the stats who's got the stats who's got the notoriety all that type of stuff i'll just hate betting futures because you lock your money up for a Sure. Half a year. You got to be pretty, pretty rich to be able to do that for sure. Uh, all right. Let's well, jump. It's not even like, it's just like bad use of money to lock your money up like that. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. There's my business degree. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> what, what, should we invest in crypto? Uh, dude, I'm not a crypto guy. I, I don't believe in it long term. I just, I don't. We don't have to get into this conversation, yeah. please. All right. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You brought they, it up. I know. That's on me. We originally gave their draft class in 2019 an above average grade. They drafted Devin White, linebacker of LSU at five. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. And at two, round two, 39th pick, Sean Murphy Bunting out of Central Michigan. Round three at 94, Jamel Dean of Auburn. And then Mike Edwards, the safety at 99. Those back, all defensive backs at 39, 94, 99. They grabbed Bunting, Dean, and Edwards. And even after that, they got kicker Matt Gay, Scotty Miller at 208. This was an excellent draft class in hindsight. Dude. Uh, this was, so they had a hamf, they went 2018, 2019, 2020. Hot run. And, and yeah. Having Tom Brady obviously pushes them over the hump, but they were they were in a bad way after that 2016 draft. The Vernon Hargraves, uh, the kicker, the all of it. Like <laughs> this was a roster bereft of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And they flipped the script, and it's because of these drafts. And, and that's how quickly things can change. It's not going to be one year, but it can be if you have three straight drafts like the Bucks had, you can win a Super Bowl. And Sean Murphy buying Jamel Dean. Dean Dean's the one that, in retrospect, I just wish I would have been higher on. I, I so he goes ninety fourth overall in that draft. That we linebacker had him, build, we had him seventy third. <laughs> I, I just I loved his tape, but it was such an odd. He was just such an odd eval. Like he did not play corner the way you're gonna have to play corner in the NFL, and he looked like he was two hundred twenty pounds playing on the outside. And, I, and he comes to combine as two hundred six and runs a four three, and I'm just like, what? Is like it was just such a weird, such a weird profile, such a unique profile coming out, and I'm like hesitant to really get on board with it. But like he didn't lose much back on the tape at Auburn. Obviously, comes to Tampa and could say the same shit. Like he has through two seasons now, he's got 18 pass breakups on only 958 coverage snaps. Like he has been ball production. Lockdown on the outside. Now he he bites on double moves every now and then. Like that's his we that's all his do. mo. We all do. That's his mo. But he's a damn good corner to find in the third round. 
Let's talk a little bit more about Devin White. You know, uh, in yeah. 2019, a 51.9 overall grade according to PFF, and even this past year, just a 48.1 PFF grade, largely due to run defense. Also, has got, given up a decent amount of yards in coverage. This past year, he allowed 928 yards in coverage, and that includes the Super Bowl. That includes the, the postseason run. But still, 20 yards in coverage, 123 targets in his direction last year. Like that's absurd. Like those are heavy, heavy numbers. He's yeah. getting the primary coverage defender a ton, and it's very difficult playing linebacker in the NFL. And this is a big part of it. Devin White's one of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL and is still getting exposed really just off matchups as in, as in coverage. According to PFF's linebacker rankings that Sam Monson wrote up for today, he's 25th in the NFL on PFF's linebacker rankings. What's the next step for Devin White, and what's your opinion beyond the grades for Devin White? Yeah, I mean, he's still, the game is still not, he's not playing at the speed he was at LSU in terms of just like seeing things, uh, getting to where he needs to be. But you saw it, like you see it on his tape, and you see plays that no one else is going to make, and that's what... That's why you draft a guy. That's why you draft the guys that run four fours, and obviously came up this offseason ran four three seven or whatever. Uh, in that, I didn't see that video. The, he had a video of him running four three seven. So wow, and Michael Hardman ran four two two. But jeez, that's why you draft those guys. It's because a four six even linebacker who's an athletic linebacker who runs four six is not going to be making plays that Devin White's making, and you live with some of the lapses in zone. You, you live with that. Because down the stretch, he was making plays left and right. Like he looked like a different player in the playoffs than we saw early in the season. And just the speed of the game and what he can do as a blitzer, too, is insane. He had 33 pressures this past season. He, he gets home in a hurry. So, 25th, I, I will say this past season, sure, he might have been 25th over the course of the season. I think he's going to be better than that next year. I, I think you saw. He's just too good to fail. Yeah, you know, I think you when you see the flashes, the, and we talk a ton on this podcast improvement. about the flashes and seeing it, and, and mm-hmm. you just got to see it. I do think that there are opportunities to put him in a better position to succeed when you're put in a position to be targeted as often as he is. It's going to be very difficult to grade well in PFF system. If you get targeted at linebacker, regardless of who you are, 120 times in a season, the grades aren't going to be great. You know, like if you get targeted that many times, because it's just so difficult to limit that, especially when you're allowing so much in front of you, you're, you're defending screens, you're de- defending swing passes and these types of things, you're going to give up receptions, you're going to give up yards. But um, I do think that he does some rare things on tape, and I think that can't be understated. One more thing on the box before we move forward. You know, you look at what they've done with Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, uh, Mike Edwards, none of these guys, top 10, top 15 cornerbacks in the NFL, not even Carlton Davis being a top 15 corner in the NFL. But what they did, and we talk about creeping towards average and being average along the offensive line, I would argue that increasing the floor of your secondary, obviously you want Jalen Ramsey's, you want Jerry Alexander's, those guys matter. But increasing the floor of your secondary is very, very important. Like you do not want holes in your secondary similar how you not want holes in your offensive line. And I think that's maybe too obvious. You don't want holes anywhere. But I do think there's something to be said about like, dude, just keep throwing resources at secondary, not even to just hit on guys, but to make sure the floor of your secondary is better. Yeah, so I like a thought experiment on this versus holes on your defensive line versus holes in your secondary. A hole in your defensive line, uh, either that guy, one, doesn't get pressure, or two, his gap opens up in the run game, you eight-yard run. A hole in your secondary, that guy gives up an 80-yard bomb. Like, you know, you have a Sean hole in your Smith secondary. against the Saints a few years ago. Exactly. Like, you have a hole in your secondary, that guy's getting targeted more frequently than anyone. Like, he is getting picked on by the other team. He's getting plays drawn up to go after him specifically, and those plays go for 20-plus yards when you have a, a guy that's legit bad in your secondary is that urban Meyer saying or nick saban's find the fish 
or who? Or there's a coach that we watched recently. I like that saying, but it, I don't know. It's find the fish in the secondary, and like his whole goal is like, who's bad in the secondary? That's who we're throwing at, and that's who yeah. we're targeting this entire game. That can be a linebacker. That can. I, I, I can't remember which coach said it, but I was watching one of the coaching mm-hmm. clinics on YouTube, and find the fish. I think is what NFL teams do, and when you find the fish in the secondary, it's 20, 30, 40 yard gains, deep touchdowns. The fish along the defensive line is only giving up you know small amounts of runs. It's like the Ravens have say figured this out like it's I don't, I don't know if there's figuring it out like the patriots have it's kind of been the patriot way also but it's like the teams that have four or five good corners and a couple good safeties those are the elite defenses in the nfl nowadays so yeah. that's what it takes that's what it takes all right tennessee titans next on our list here we gave this an excellent grade out of the gate and it is still excellent jeffrey simmons the 19th overall pick oh. um in the 2019 like pff just like everyone loved, loved you know everyone at pff loved this draft but yeah jeffrey simmons 19th overall pick defense tackle at mississippi state a guy that i think ben Lindsay called in his defensive tackle rankings article one of the rising stars at the position in the nfl and obviously aj brown at 51 you get an aj brown in every draft class talk about being the best team in the nfl that is a slam dunk at 51 nate davis the froggy stanced nate davis coming out of charlotte at 82 and even outside the top 100 so those are the three top 100 picks that season or that year monty hooker was a guy we really liked david long at 188 was a good value i didn't hate him at 188 so your opinion now obviously an excellent grade but man what a slam dunk for the titans yeah so we had jeffrey simmons as eighth on our draft board that year aj brown 20th on our draft board that year um amani hooker was 44th on our draft board that i love the money hooker man I, I think he's gonna start this year at safety he's actually been good as like a nickel or a dime safety for them when he's played absolutely love this draft. And we love nate davis too he was just a little lower i think he was like 70 74th on our draft board but for guard obviously we're lower on the value of guard like we loved him at that position so this was slam dunk at the time even more so in retrospect uh yeah they, they hit big and nate davis came on strong at the end of last year like we said he's a project the dude uh needs just as even his stance to be different and this past season towards the end like that's why a, he was a big reason why derrick henry was started to cook towards the end of last season is because nate davis started drilling dudes do you feel what, what do you feel about like jeffrey simmons i think jeffrey simmons has not graded in the 85s or 90s yet as a pass rusher or even as a, 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 a overall but do you think he is that ascending star that ben Lindsay has talked about he has 83.6 grade this past year that's fine oh that's second year player i was saying 85 90s he's not gotten to that upper echelon he's he's good uh, he's very good that's a second year guy grading that well is that's impressive he, he's going to continue to get better and he's another guy where not coming off the field he played in over 900 snaps last season that's when you're when you have a defensive tackle that can play well and also you know not be a limited role player not have to come off the field to be efficient that's so valuable in my opinion so yeah jeffrey simmons washington football team next on the list here this was you know after their first pick they hit on a lot of these picks so Dwayne Haskins was at 15 that he kind of fell to them at 15 I think a lot of people kind of use that language around Dwayne Haskins like they expected him to maybe go top 10 he goes to them at 15 Montez Sweat there at 26 the other first round pick and then Terry McLaurin at 76 those were their three top 100 picks obviously you know Dwayne Haskins not not a slam dunk quite the opposite of a slam dunk at 15 but Montez Sweat and Terry McLaurin those two other picks fantastic ones after that Cole Holcomb has started for this team Um, he's another pick that they had at one. 73 out of UNC, an athletic linebacker. Jimmy Moreland, I know, was a pick that you really liked. But Washington football team now giving this an excellent or above average? Excellent. Even with the Dwayne Haskins blunder. So, okay. Think about it this way. You leave every draft with a Terry McLaurin and a Montez Sweat, you fucking kill the draft. Like you just did. Now, 
you're going to have swings and misses in, in the draft. Like they're, they're, no one's going to hit perfectly, but when you hit on, blue, again, blue-chip talent at valuable positions, that's what changes your franchise. So the, they hit on those two, and it's like, yeah, you can flush one down the drain, but is it if you, had, if you just got a role player there at 15 instead of a guy who's still on your roster, is it that much different? I don't think so. Uh, this is still, in my opinion, a great draft. The Haskins pick, it's like Haskins was – he sucked balls like he was trash and it was like a lot of that was on Jesus him Christ. can you not just come out that heavy on the guy <laughs> I mean, he sucked balls he was trash we have social teams foaming at the mouth to put freaking quote graphics on twitter and you're not. dropping those but uh like that but again whatever like there are other picks like go go back and look at this first round it's like would you rather have would you rather have andre dillard yeah you'd probably rather have andre dillard right now but it's like is it that different than I don't know. Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins is a fine defensive tackle, but it's like you still wasted a first round pick on a fine defensive tackle. I don't know. I, I just don't think it's that big a deal when you got when you did what you did with the other two picks. Shall okay. we move? Shall we move to the worst yeah. draft class? Get away from we, the balls. Th- those are yeah, no more balls and trash, please. If we could, if we possibly could, could we move to those? Um, I'd love to get to that now. Dallas Cowboys worst. One of the worst draft classes from 2019. They didn't have a first-round pick. Round two, 58th overall. They grabbed Tristan Hill, defensive tackle to UCF, who has done next to nothing for this team. After that, at 90, guard Connor McGovern out of Penn State. 128, probably the best pick of this draft. Tony Pollard, Memphis running back at 128. And then after that, man, I, I say there's a common theme. We're going to go to these worst drafts. The common theme is their best pick was a running back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another common theme too is that just not a lot of these guys. I mean, are even on the football field. Like, I mean, yes. they're not. They're not even seeing these guys hit the field. Tristan Hill has played, but he's not played well. After that, it's like these guys have not played a ton for this football team, and for good reason because they have not. I don't want to use the same verbs that you use or the same adjectives that you use. But still, I do think that um, I do think that Tony Pollard's their best pick. And after that, man, like the Tristan yeah. Hill, no first round pick. That's a blunder. Dude, they Tristan traded. Hill they did. traded the first round pick for. Mark Cooper that year. Tristan Hill was 144th on our board that year. He just he had no anchor for a defensive tackle. Still is not. 29.8 run defense grade this past year. And that was when he could see the field. Couldn't even see the field as a rookie. Um, tough one. Uh, it was a tough one. Like uh, At the time, was everyone, that was kind of the agreed upon, oof, what, what like, that's a reach. Like Everyone kind of said that. And then in retrospect, yeah, it still seems that way. Um, just not great. Just not a, not a great draft for the boys but obviously when you don't have a first round pick it's gonna be tough to get value but still rather than bagging on the cowboys a little bit more but Connor mcgovern can't even start over biotish took center job from him so that's also tough as a third rounder and biotish was a fourth rounder so rather than continue to beat up on the cowboys obviously the tristan hill pick mcgovern picks not great tony pollard still contributing but i wanted to circle back i, I had a question about washington Montez Sweat. We were not super high on Montez Sweat coming out compared to others. I think there were others that were higher on Montez yeah. Sweat coming out. What was your opinion of him coming out? What you, what are your, what's your opinion now? What he's developed into in the NFL? Yeah, I was. I just didn't think he was a polished pass rusher by any means. I thought he was kind of awkward as a pass rusher. And when you're that athletic, though, like what he's been able to do, and didn't really show up much as a rookie, but massive jump this past year in just such a weapon when you're on a 4-4 like even if it's just playing in space and being able to track guys down like that gives you such a high floor even if you're not like you're, when you're 6-6 260 with you know almost 36 inch arms right and, and runs a 4-4 you just a lot of things you can do in your sleep almost at that point you don't need to be 
And I think we've seen him really develop once he's got to the NFL uh, with just like kind of the physicality, like realizing, hey, I run a 4-4. I can run through guys, you know, and because he didn't see that as much on tape at Mississippi State. Fair enough. All right. Next on our list, we're going to move to after the Dallas Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings, another worst draft class. But let's let's talk about, you know, in these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them, backed by over 130 years of experience together. We can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Also, the big sponsor of this helmet right here. Western Southern, big shout out. They're always here. We don't mention them a ton. Big shout out to Western Southern, a big sponsor here for the 241 Drafts podcast. All right. I was at, so at Trivia yesterday, I was talking with uh, Mitch and Nick. Obviously, no one on the podcast listening knows them. Your my, friends. My, Our my friends. friends. And absolute studs. Was, Both of them, yeah, absolute studs. studs. And I was like, I, I feel like I'm a good demo for uh, to be hawking life insurance. Like, I, I'm actually at risk, like, here with the way I live. I, uh, Honestly, I've chance. heard of a good place. Western Southern <laughs> is a good place to get life insurance. And if you're, but I don't know how much they'll cover if you're doing wild box say, jumps and trying I, I to dump. I might be too out of there. I'm uh, sure there's an range. interview process for getting life insurance. Don't mention yeah. that you still have admirations to dunk. I don't think that's going to help you a ton in, yeah. in this process. At I 31 years old. my weekend habits either. Don't mention those either at all, at all. No substance abuse. All right, Minnesota oh, Vikings. That's not what, I, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Minnesota Vikings, round one, 18. Center, Garrett Bradbury of NC State. At 50, they grabbed tight end Irv Smith out of Alabama. 102. That was, those are only two top 100 picks, only two top 50 picks in that draft class. At 102, they grabbed running back Alexander Madison at a Boise. I loved Alexander Madison, but he's just yeah. not going to see the field like at all. I mean, he's going to see the field in bits with Dalvin Cook gets hurt or mm-hmm. spelling him. But still, when you draft a player at 102 and he only plays, what, 20, 30% of the snaps in an ideal situation, yeah. that's going to be tough. After that, some, some other names that people have probably heard of, Drew Samia. Absolutely trounced at guard when given the opportunity. The Oklahoma guard drafted at 114. Chris Boyd has seen some snaps, has not played well. Um, Armand Watts out of Arkansas is, again, a guy that hasn't seen a ton of snaps. Again, he was drafted at 190. Let's not focus on the eight picks they had in round six and round seven combined. Their first three picks, or first two picks, really, just not all that fantastic with Garrett Bradbury and tight end Irv Smith. Yeah, this was... The uh, the Bradbury pick was just... It's kind of... it's what It was the killer of their offensive line past years they brought him in thinking this solidifies it you know this is gonna give kirk the pass protection pass protection grade at 41.4 as a rookie and then 38.8 this past year like he just doesn't have he doesn't have the size to hold up to powerful nose tackles and he's in a division where there's some powerful nose tackles a guy like kenny clark has been his nemesis the yeah. past two seasons so not great um and then again your best pick's probably the running back there like that's the guy who's shown the most, Alexander Madison. Uh, so, and the Drew Samia one hurts too because that's a place one fourteen. Can't find a lot of impact players in one fourteen, but you should be able to find a guard. Like you can find a guard who can like at least start for you usually. And Samia is just not seventeen point pass blocking grade this past year. Not even been playable. The interior offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings, specifically in pass protection, has been bodied. Bodied. Garrett Bradbury included in, in, as a rookie. He played over 1,000 snaps as a rookie. 41.4 pass blocking grade. This past season, over 1,000 snaps his sophomore campaign. 38.8 pass blocking grade. Getting beat up by better competition when head up on the nose. And, and again, it's, some of that's the short arm. Some of that's other things. But like his run blocking has improved. 60.7 PFF run blocking grade in 2019. And then a 69.3 run blocking grade in 2020. One of the best zone blocking centers in college football yeah. coming out of NC State. But the pass protection concerns at center are obviously going to be tough. Right? Yeah. Giving up that interior pressure as consistently as Bradbury has, 
Got to make it very difficult for this to be, obviously, a worthwhile first-round pick. Um, Minnesota Vikings, what's your take? You know, it's an opportunity to talk about their, their strategy overall and just getting as many picks as possible. You know, we've talked a lot. Well, they get, like, about a, a lot of six and Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they get a, a ton of picks. Like, we just got we to keep swinging the bat. But they get, like, eight day three picks, like nine day three picks, and then hope those guys pan out when rarely the hit rate on those guys is just yeah. so low. Like, what are you looking for when you are investing so much or trading back so much that you are picking well, up those day well, three picks? Well, I think they're sort of – the reason they employed the strategy is because their cap situation was such that they were, they just needed bodies. Like, they're straight, we're going to have to cut a lot – or not cut, like let a lot of guys who are expensive walk or just like a lot of – players walk and they just needed to fill out a roster basically so that's why i think they deploy the strategy of late talk about a free fall for this next draft class the philadelphia eagles my yeah. goodness we had an above average grade here we loved andre dillard dillard washington state off the tackle picked at 22 a guy who had a ton of pass blocking reps a ton of true pass sets had played well on those in washington state's offense has not lived up to the billing at least of a first round pick he got so hurt. far he got yeah. hurt this past year with like that one's a tbd uh, obviously, he didn't hit the ground running as a rookie, but not a lot of tackles do. So uh, that one jury's still, still out. You're saying yes? Are you going to say the same about JJ Ortega Whiteside? Of course I will. My goodness! So at 53, they grab running back Miles Sanders, probably their best pick, at least the highest end contributor. And then after that, at 57, so they had the 22nd, 53rd, and 57th overall pick. Yeah, three top 60 picks, and came away with Andre Dillard, Miles Sanders, and JJ Ortega Whiteside. At the time. All guys that PFF liked. Running back was probably higher than where we would have taken Miles Sanders, but still, guys we liked. Miles Sanders, former five-star out of Penn State, back up to Saquon Barkley, only reason he didn't see more production. Good pass catcher, these different things, but still, Dillard, Sanders, Ortega Whiteside, with three top 60 picks, they're looking back on this draft and saying, man, what the is going on? We did not hit here. That's an accurate assessment of looking back on it because no, I mean, Miles Sanders, again, best picks running back. That's your I mean, Terry McLaurin on the pick. board goes off at 76, and then you get Ortega well, Whiteside at 57. Who we would have picked there. Yeah, I know. I'm saying others no, would have, too. D- I, D- D- no, DK Metcalf is who we would have picked there. He was still on the board. He so, was our number one receiver that year. Yeah. So that one, that one's the one I just I – can't, I cannot fathom how he can't see the field there. I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on. I need I – need, we need to talk to – I interviewed some, all three of you. We need to get Solomon Thomas to put us in touch with J.J. I think I talked to Dillard, Sanders, and Ortega Whiteside before this draft. I mean, came away impressed with their interviews. I think Sanders is an interesting player. I think his his confidence was awesome. That was what stood out with Sanders. And I think you see that with his play. I got no issues with Sanders, but it's the other two. That would have been just nothing. Brutal to see. So you would have gone DK Metcalf over Ortega Whiteside. I think a lot of Eagles fans would say the same. I think think they hear J-Jaw, and they get really, really upset about that pick. DK was 17th on our board that year. Still doesn't make sense why he fell. All right. Now to the New England Patriots. At the time, gave this an above average grade, even despite not loving the Nikhil Harry pick. We were not as high on Nikhil Harry, the Arizona State wide receiver, as others were. He's drafted 61st on the PFF draft board. 61st on the PFF draft board. He's drafted at 32nd. After that, they grabbed Joe Juan Williams, that big monster defensive back out of Vanderbilt. Chase Vinovich at 77 out of Michigan. Damian Harris at 87. And then right outside the top 100 at 101, depth offensive lineman Yanni Kajust. We love the Yeldy Froholt pick at 118, but I don't think he's even playing he's for this team anymore. Jarrett Stidham has obviously played for them a little bit. He was drafted at 133. But focusing on those top four, top five picks, again, did not come away with any Terry McLaurins, any DK Metcalfs in this class. Yeah, I mean, Jawan Williams played 257 snaps through two years. He's not been able to see the field. So I, maybe go a little TBD there, but we weren't high on him. He was 88th on our board when he came off there in the second round. Obviously, Nikhil Harry, every, like he, everyone knows about him and how he's 
not been able to see the field, not been able to produce in that uh, offense. But I will say Chase Winovich, a little bit of saving grace in this. He has actually, we said it, he's outgraded um, Rashawn Gary through two seasons. So We did say that. We did say that. And he had 72.3 pass rushing grades this past year, 47 pressures. Not bad. Not bad. Um, moving now to the Cleveland Browns. This is a this is another draft class that we are not going to come away with too high on here, but we liked at the time, like Greedy Williams. Well, we like Greedy Williams. At the time yeah, we like the Greedy hurt, Williams so. pick. They didn't have a first round pick. They traded that away for Odell Beckham Jr. prior to this draft, and then Greedy Williams at forty six, the LSU corner that probably TBD too. Like he has not played a yeah, lot yeah, due to injury as well. Tore his Achilles, right? Or no, no, he didn't have it, just shoulder injury. I think. Sione Takitaki, the BYU linebacker, that still I think to this day has one of the more interesting backgrounds. He's that guy who was kicked off the team then came back for grades and then took a mission trip like he did a lot of things at byu uh before coming back i think he was originally committed to utah handful of interesting background pieces go check out the 2019 draft guide that we did for pff um after that sheldrick redwine miami safety at 119 linebacker mac wilson of alabama at 155 austin siebert the kicker at 170 not a lot of impact players so far yeah this was the draft class that just they didn't have capital because they traded um i think they traded they they spent one for Jarvis Landry in this year, and they spent one for Odell Beckham in this year. So that they didn't have a lot of picks, and then when guys get hurt in those top picks, it's like that's kind of why you end up on this list. Still, though, TBD with Greedy Williams, obviously, getting injured this past year. How would you grade the Odell Beckham Jr. trade? What did you think of it at the Disaster. time, and how would you say it now? Um, I thought it was a worthwhile move when you had as much draft capital as they did and as much cap space, but... I think it's been a disaster, and I think it's honestly like him and him and Baker just don't fucking they're on the same page. There's not there's something about them. So you don't think it's going to be good this year when he's on the football field? Baker loses his mind. I don't know what it is. It just does. I don't know if I love that take or I hate that take. It's it's. I mean, just look at his on off field splits. Yeah. It is insane. It's insane. Yeah. It, 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 there's say whatever you want about it but like they are so distinct even like rookie year to year two to the four, five games to like even in that game where he gets hurt when he starts off 0 for 5 or like 1 for 5 throws the pick to Odell Odell gets hurt and then doesn't have any completion the rest of the game besides spike like what are the odds of that just, it's just it's just a big weight lifted off his shoulders I don't know I, that's interesting I'd hear, I, I want to hear Baker Mayfield's like honest take on that I'm sure he's been asked about it and he's like no Odell Becker Jr. makes our team great or whatever but what's but, the honest take from Baker you know, uh, does he like this offense without OBJ I don't know speaking of disaster though the Oakland Raiders after trading away what Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack to gather a ton of top you know top capital here they grabbed Cleveland Furl at four one of the biggest reaches of round one then Josh Jacobs a running back at 24 and then a box safety and Jonathan Abram at 27. They had Lowest three. safety in the NFL this past year. Lowest grade safety in the NFL this past season. They had three top 30 picks. I think their best pick there might be Cleveland Furl. Even if Josh Jacobs is graded better. Yeah. Because Cleveland Furl at least starts at a high value position. According to PFF's edge rankings, he came in at 32. Like his run defense has been solid. He's improved there. He's not an elite pass rusher. Likely will never be an elite pass rusher. Not better than Brian Burns. Not better than Josh Allen. The guys that they passed on. But still, it's still been at least a contributor. I would say Cleveland Furl is the best pick of those three. Yeah. And then after that, Trayvon Mullen, yes, he's played for this team. He's played outside corner, but he has not played all that well. It's been getting inconsistent. He's played well in press, but poorly in off. Their best pick maybe actually might be Max Crosby. Max Crosby's been better than Cleveland yeah. Furl. He was picked at 106 out of Eastern Michigan. Um, so but yeah, before you say, oh, they got good players still, it's like, yeah, you should have gotten good players. You should have gotten more than just a couple solid stars. You should have gotten legitimate 
high-end blue chip. Yeah, not counts. every swing of the bat in the draft is created equal. Just because you landed Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro outside the top 100 doesn't make this draft all, all of a sudden good. You know, sometimes yeah. well, the joke— And it's like, just because Cleveland Farrell starts, just because Josh Jacobs starts, like, that doesn't mean those were good picks. Mm-hmm. Like again, Clint Farrell, you passed on two guys and Josh Allen and Brian Burns who are like could be elite pass rushers. Like Burns probably already is an elite pass rusher. You passed on those guys for Clint Farrell. You passed on Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Abram for legitimately any other position that like makes an impact, high impact <laughs> on a football field, you know? So and like Raiders fans saw it themselves. Josh Jacobs has a d- dog shit year two compared to year one. Because the offensive line goes backwards. But it makes no impact on the offense. The offense was better than it was. In it was better last year. So it's like you saw that running back so dependent on your offensive line, but also not necessarily impactful to your offense as a whole. That's the passing game. And another big problem with the Jacobs pick is he's been good enough to be considered a contract extension. And if the, if it's the same management in place, they're going to look to validate that selection and give him that fifth-year option and give him that contract extension at a position that is the lowest of value in the NFL, Like at least offensively. Defensively, there's other ones in special teams as well, but still, wild stuff there. But I, I think what I was saying, though, is like you know people will come away like, we got Max Crosby, we got Hunter Renfro, guys that have played like legitimately well at their respective positions positions but it's like you should have gotten max crosby hunter renfro and some actually good players with your top 50 picks like that's how you have to look at this but a a a rough draft class for then the oakland raiders but now the las vegas raiders reaping what they sow are you ready to move to 2020 now? let's go to 2020 before we do so i have a little i have to i have to pay some bills here specifically some sim bills PFF has now partnered with Symbol. I hated that. I hated that. I'm going to restart. PFF has partnered with Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L, the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. The MLB is in full swing for the rest of the summer, allowing you to earn daily cash payouts and NFL free agency is still going on. So whoever lands a top-of-the-market player will be sure to see their team's stock rise. Use promo code PFF and deposit $10 at symbol.app slash PFF to earn a free PFF annual subscription. That's promo code PFF with a $10 deposit at symbol.app slash PFF to earn a free annual subscription. PFF partners with Symbol. And we are on to... We're about to see wave two of free agency coming up. June 1. Cuts wave coming. two. Are we ready for wave two? Hopefully it's better than COVID wave two. Can't be worse. Whoa, whoa! Why you gotta? Why you gotta bring that up? Why you gotta bring know, COVID? That, can you knock on wood or something? This is just ridiculous. COVID. We don't want to talk about that. All right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is where we're gonna start. So this is when in 2020 and in 2021 we pivoted from the excellent and above averages to actual letter grades, which I think was a huge, a, a great decision. I think it was a great decision. Yeah. I mean, so I think we explained why we went to excellent on the Monday episode. Um. Trash, just absolutely like looking back. I'm just like this, like calling it just above average to oh, the to average. It stinks because everyone, everyone and their mother knows what an A means to them. Everyone knows what a D means. Everyone knows what a C like that. There is a track record throughout history of what those mean. No one fucking knows. I mean, people know what above average is, but it well, gives we improve you no, here, at PFF. Yeah. We improve. I'm just saying. We're here. The decision here. to go there in the first place was dumb. Stop. Just say it. it was dumb. It's Why you got to call out people like that? Why you got to call people out like that? It just was. I, I was. I know why we did it. Tell me how you really feel. But it was dumb. All right. Moving to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. Moving scared, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they, we gave this an A- at the time. Now giving this an A+. Tristan Wirfs, 
slam dunk season. Tristan Wirfs should have been Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. Also going to be on this podcast in a couple days. I think on the Monday or Wednesday episode next week, if not the following Monday. Mm-hmm. But Tristan Wirfs, round 13, or not round 13, pick 13. They traded up for him one spot to make sure they got Tristan Wirfs. After that, Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota. Do I even need to read the rest of the other picks? Because you hit on you get a Tristan Wirfs and an Antoine Winfield Jr. with your top top two picks, 13 and 45 respectively. Yeah. That is a home run. Fun fact, Wirfs and Winfield were higher on the PFF draft board than when they went to the Wow. Bucks. So they were they were picking off the PFF draft guide. Yeah, there you go. They, they had to been it. picking off the PFF draft guide. What what I just got done talking to PJ Fleck. And that interview, by the way, I've said it before, but it's gonna be freaking insane. What he, he said to me that when he got to Minnesota, he had to look the roster up and down and identify the best athletes and put them in a position to succeed. He said, I almost moved Tyler Johnson to safety. He said he almost moved Tyler Johnson to safety because he was like one of the only guys that like could have been capable of playing it for them, yeah. but never did. Refined him as a route runner and refined him as different things. And like he talked so much about his intangibles and all this stuff. I still don't understand. I still do not understand to this day why Tyler Johnson was dropped around five for whatever off field stuff. And, you know, we heard some stuff about him not getting an invite to the senior bowl because he wasn't that good, but he was like the highest target rate in the country. You know, PJ Fleck prioritized him in that RPO heavy offense. Like everyone wanted to get him the football at Minnesota. Tanner Morgan raved about him. Rashad Bateman raved about him. I still feel like he was way, way underdrafted. And if it wasn't for, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers having like a star-studded receiving core, I feel like he would see more time on the football field and actually make some plays. And Tom Brady has raved about the kid too. Like I do think Tyler Johnson wrongfully scathed in that draft class. Yeah, I can't. You can't tell me that he didn't serve a Senior Bowl invite when Courtney Davis got a Senior Bowl invite and James Prochet got Senior Bowl invites. I'm just saying he was was better than those players. He was but, the highest grade receiver in the country. Yeah. Um. So he's still. Obviously, an option. And he had he had some splashy plays down the stretch, and obviously, he's going to have a difficult time seeing the field with the receivers they have there in Tampa. So, it's the first two picks, though. Uh, those were those uh, those may have like swung their favor in the Super Bowl. Like that, you you have Tristan Wirfs going up against Zadarius Smith and Sean Gary versus who would have been. Um, I don't know, just a shitty offensive tackle. Like they, who was it? Joe Hag was the guy they signed last year. If you have Joe Hag instead of Tristan Wirfs out there, they they may not make it through New Orleans. They may not make it through Green Bay. They may not make it through. They probably still make it through the Chiefs with how bad the Chiefs' offense was. But like close games, that could have swung it because. But you had a guy who literally shut down elite pass rushers. So. He was so hashtag fun to watch, man. Yeah. He was his tape every week was awesome. Going against Cameron Jordan, Khalil Mack, especially against the guys he had to go against, like Cameron Jordan, to shut down guys like him is like actually look like looked apart too. You know, you said that before when you see an offensive lineman going against like NFL caliber competition, how, how does it look? You know, is are they bad beats? Yeah, obviously, giving up pressures in here, thinking, but how does it look? And I think Tristan Wurst was like engulfing bull rushes and like taking them on in stride like yeah. it was incredible what Tristan Wirfs did this past season all right Minnesota Vikings they are the other a plus grade here originally an a moved to an a plus and this includes even with the Jeff Gladney pick which again might have been good process you know it's hard to foresee some of the yeah. accusations that Jeff that's Gladney not, had now but still Justin Jefferson and number I mean, that's 22. like uh, DeAndre Baker yeah you fucking they didn't fucking know like yeah. DeAndre Baker's gonna pull a gun on somebody yeah yeah but Justin Jefferson kind of buried the lead. Justin Jefferson drafted at 22 overall. Like, you know, could have been offensive rookie of the year last year, broke the rookie receiving yeah. yards record last year. That is a slam dunk and a half. Gladney at 31. Then Ezra Cleveland, who I think is going to contribute this year as a starter, coming out of Boise State at 58. Then Sorry, they have Cameron Dancer, who a lot of people are excited about entering year two out of Mississippi State. Me, one being, of me being one of those. Yeah, me being one of those awesome. as well. And I think he's great for Mike Zimmer's scheme. Super smart corner, super just instinctive corner. Um, 
one of the few players that season before he came out that actually limited Jamar Chase and like yes. could like hold his own, yes. at least hold his own against Jamar Chase. And you saw him play a lot better down the stretch. So Cameron Dancer is the guy. I'm excited to see what he does in year two. It's just a very good draft. And, it's, and it really speaks to like, what did we just talk about? 2019 draft. Who was one of the worst? Raiders. Vikings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it speaks to just how difficult this shit is year in, year out. You go from Garrett Bradbury, Justin Jefferson, one of the worst picks of the first round, one of the best picks of the first round, if not the best. Like that's shit's shit. There's a lot of, and that's why I do think it's It's important to identify some of the quote unquote not free but like low hanging fruit wins in the NFL draft. Yeah, here are a couple. High draft the center and the yeah yeah. yeah. (laughs) Positional value is one. High end athletes is two. PJ Fleck actually, I keep on bringing up the Fleck interview. I'm sorry, but still, he mentioned something that I thought was interesting. He talked a little bit about draft evaluation. He said the guys who go in the first three two have something that no one in the world has. And it's like, it's got to be different. Like, they have to look different. They have to be different. They have to have these yeah. things. And if you're drafting players in the first round that are objectively different, whether it's size, speed, athleticism, one of these things that's legitimately rare, you're oftentimes going to find yourself, you know, busting on those players. So I do, fuck. What are we going to be doing here, Austin? <laughs> but I do think that, like, attacking high positional value and attacking high-end athletes that are legitimately rare with the skill set they bring to the table is how you win. Like, that's how you at least uh, remove some of the glaring losses, like a Jonathan Abrams, a Josh Jacobs, some of these glaring losses. Like, you have to avoid drafting those low-value positions, and you have to avoid drafting low-end athletes. Going back to the Raiders, Damon Arnett with 30-inch arms and did not test well at the Combine, older prospect. Like, those are low-hanging fruit yeah. wins to be had. Like, those are that's data in a freaking Excel sheet. Like, look at it and, and, and value it, because this... You know, obviously has higher probabilities of hit rates and those types of things. All right, moving on. Do you want to go over all 40 day three picks that they had in that draft class? <laughs> no, thank you. That's crazy, we'll man. They had over like 10 picks after pick 115. Yeah. Like they had so many other guys. I remember after after this draft class going on you know, Vikings radio and, and, and different things like that, they're like, what do you think of this seventh round pick? It's like, dude, they drafted a lot of these guys. I don't know how many even see the football field. It's going to be tough, but um, it's funny how many picks they did have. All right, New York Jets. We were lower, you know, markedly lower on Mackay Becton compared to the consensus, but still he has developed into a legitimate yeah. starter. And there were some, some reps on his tape where you saw him get beat down. I think even Cleveland Furl beat him a handful of times this past season, but still way better than maybe even I expected or you expected coming out of Louisville. He was the 11th overall pick. Denzel Mims, a lot of excitement around him. Had a really, really good senior bowl. Moved up our draft board because of it. I know Sam Monson is big on Denzel Mims. He enters year two with a legitimate quarterback and a legitimate coaching staff. I don't think that gets brought up enough. People are like, Zach Wilson, what's he going to do in year one? It's like, well, they also have a coach that, like, might be actually competent on the sidelines. After that, Ashton Davis was a pick we liked um, and, and so forth. But those were their three top 70 picks. Jabari Zuniga out of Florida was another top 100 pick. And then Bryce Hall, a starter, they pick at 158 in this yeah. draft class. Yeah. the I'm excited to see what Mims does with Zach Wilson. He was back shoulders, like adjustments at the catch point was kind of his bread and butter at Baylor. Zach Wilson, you watch his tape, and that's he's given guys chances a lot. Like he, If he trusts a guy, he's going to – let him work, whether it was uh, what's his name, Mitt Romney's nephew, or whether Gunner Romney, Gunner Romney, or uh, the uh, uh, Dex Milne. Mm-hmm. Both both gave him a ton of chances on the football field that w- weren't necessarily like open, open. That's kind of Denzel Mims and what he did at Baylor. So excited to see what he does. Obviously, we love the Davis pick, and he uh, started there down the stretch for them, and the Bryce Hall as well. Uh, Hall showed some flashes. Excited to see what he can do in year two. Perfect for that scheme. So uh, I think it's a very good draft, even if it's 
just Makai Becton because you got a yeah. very good left tackle. Dallas Cowboys next on our list here. CD Lamb, Oklahoma at 17, was wild to see. We did not expect him to fall that far. I don't think Jerry Jones did either. Yeah. Sprinted the card in at a position where they're you know, strengthening his strength, didn't attack an obvious position of need, but go grab a freaking stud in CD mm-hmm. Lamb. And then at 51, they grabbed Trayvon Diggs, who he liked probably better than 51, did not have a great season last year, then got hurt down the stretch. Mike McCarthy has talked about he's one of the best young players on that team. I still have faith that Trevon Diggs can play well in the NFL. It's not going to be burnt toast for the rest of Trevon Diggs. Oh, I don't think it's going to be burnt toast. Uh, so if you take out kind of that early season where he just was not ready, like was not like the sort of adjustment to the NFL that a lot of guys had to make, especially corner, 83.4 coverage grade over his final six games for the Cowboys. He was not getting torched. And when he wasn't getting torched, like he was getting his hands on footballs. So... If you just kind of take that out, you had a solid cornerback down the stretch there for the Cowboys. So I, I think that's what you'll see in year two. After that, they grabbed Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, 82. And then Tyler Biotish slated to start, picked at 146 in, in this draft class. And it never then, made sense. Like, I didn't even like Biotish, but him falling to 146, I was like, damn, I can't believe it fell that far. And obviously he's going to start for them and started for them last year. So. All right. What's your opinion of Neville Gallimore after year one? I wasn't super high in Gallimore. Didn't sh- only fifty seven point six pass rushing grade year one, fifty one point five run defense. That's no so bueno. Man, we did not like this draft class out of the gate, but it has proved us wrong. Justin Herbert, quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah. Going last year, like Cowboys. I'm like, dude, we, we kind of like that. No, we like the Cowboys. Chargers yeah. next on this list here. We gave this a C minus originally. Did not like the Justin Herbert pick and did not like the Kenneth Murray pick. Justin Herbert picked at six overall. Kenneth Murray, the linebacker, picked at twenty third. They traded up to get Kenneth Murray. Lost a handful of picks. Uh, and what I really didn't like also was Josh Kelly. Yeah, I just never saw Josh Kelly. We'll see if I'm ultimately how he does in the NFL. I mean, I don't think he's going to play over Austin Eckler, but man, I. I I could not believe when he went in the fourth round. I don't know. But continue, sorry. Yeah, I mean, well, no, no. so Justin Herbert, Kenneth Murray, their two first-round picks. After that, they did not have a pick in the top 100. Some high, I mean, we liked K.J. Hill, but I don't. it's going to be a battle to make the team this year. Joe Reed was a fun player at Virginia, but this is not going to be a high-end contributor. But yeah. Why it's an A is because you found your, you found a quarterback that's like legit, like you can build around and try and make some plays on. There's obviously some conversation around how much Justin Herbert regresses in those unstable areas of play, but still he's he's proven more than enough that you talk about great the flashes, dude. The flashes were freaking sick as hell last year. Yeah. Like Justin Herbert has something, yeah. something that we didn't even see at Oregon, but you saw it in the NFL, and now it's all on Brandon Staley. It's all on this coaching staff to continue to get that out of him. If they fail. It's not, I don't think if they fail, if Justin Herbert fails, I don't think it's going to be because his own doing at this point. Like he's shown that he has some pieces there. Yeah. It's now up to the Chargers to follow in line with what the Browns did with Stefanski, the Bills did with Dable, the Ravens have done with Harbaugh and Roman. Go get an offensive coordinator, go get a coach and a coaching staff and a supporting cast that can prop up Justin Herbert to the point where you only see the flashes. And I think if they can do that, I mean, this is not going to be an A draft. This is like an A draft for the Los Angeles Chargers. So they got Joe Lombardi. And I'm very curious to see what it looks like. So Joe Lombardi came over from New Orleans. That's where he was. Uh, majority of his career, obviously, was OC with the Lions for a couple of years uh, in the mid-2000s. I think that uh, – did they go to the playoffs one of those years when he was there? It, I think it was he was the OC, I believe, under um, – was it under – I'm trying – I can't remember who it was under. But You suck. Mid-2000s. He was OC at, uh, with the Lions, goes back to the Saints. And so – the Saints offense, if you're 
given Herbert Saints offense, that's like what he ran at Oregon. That's not going to be playing to his strength. So that's why I'm saying I'm curious to see what it ends up looking like there out in LA. But honestly, the rest of the picks besides Herbert kind of wash at this point. We don't really know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't bang but the Herbert, Murray pick too hard. Know. I know he didn't yeah. grade well last year. Neither did Patrick Queen. Neither did, did really bang any Murray too hard. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bang the pick too hard. Okay. I, I'm saying I wouldn't bang the pick okay, too hard, right. even though he just, didn't grade well. Yeah, Justin Herbert, 30th on our draft board. Uh, Murray that year was 62nd on our draft board. So obviously we were low on it to come out. Herbert though played more like. Or like the number two or number one player on our draft board should have been. Yeah, absolutely. Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow at number one overall. T. Higgins at 33. After that, grab a pair of linebackers at 65 and 107. And Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither. Akeem Adeniji at 180. You know, they grab another linebacker in Marcus Bailey who battled injuries at Purdue at 215. But really, looking at those first two picks, that's where it matters. And Logan Wilson played last year. Didn't play all that well, but yeah. still saw the football field. I think Davis Gaither sees more the, the football field this year. Since he might be cursed. It might be I cursed. Need, we need to get Quinn's take on this, but that might be a cursed position. Font says perfect. Left it. Left Raymond Luca was kind of fun. He was not kind of fun. All right. right. Okay. Sorry. Well, Joe Burrow, number one overall pick, T. Higgins at 33. Both those guys look like to be legit, they both had really, really good rookie campaigns. Obviously, Joe Burrow's cut short due to injury. T. Higgins entering year two, man. I am stoked on it. We, he's a guy we talked a lot about on this podcast before yeah. the draft about, man, he's he's got some yak to his game because a lot of people pegged him as this contested catch guy, but he can do some yards after the catch. He can separate down the football field yeah. against good corners, and now you're seeing it in the NFL. I'm excited for Higgins year two and Burrow year two. Yeah, Higgins 25th on our draft board. We loved him coming out. That was – I still thought – they screwed up by not addressing off the line at some point until the sixth is when I think they first drafted an O line that. And now Kim Adinje could be fine. I, I did like him coming out actually more so than where he ended up getting drafted. But it's the first two picks. You got Burrow, you got Higgins, you got Chance. All right. I think T. Higgins broke Chris Collinsworth. Rookie receptions record? It might have been. I, I think I saw something along those lines. I think Chris was calling for his death threats or something. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, how Chris funny was it that Chris broke into the podcast yesterday? Or was it Monday? Monday. It was Monday. <laughs> I did not expect I that. was not ready for that. Like, I was not ready for that. I thought it was. I thought it was Steve. Steve has a habit of coming into the podcast. just Coming a little hot. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Cleveland Browns. Round one, pick 10. They grabbed Dredrick Wills. Off the tackle Alabama. Looked really good this past season. Not as good as worse, but still... I mean, I think Worf's just kind of overshadowed how well Wills played this past year. And then Grant Delpit at 44, uh, still TBD on how good he'll be. Obviously lost that season due to injury. I'm excited for Jordan Elliott in yeah. year two. He was really high on PFS draft board. He falls to them at 88. Those are those three picks where you're like looking at those three to really contribute in year two. And then Harrison Bryant, I think they got at least something at tight end. He is one of the tight, one of the few tight ends in that class that I think can get open on his own. And I think there was a lot, but I think Harrison Bryant's one of them. And he actually looked most encouraging thing to me was he did not look like a liability as a run blocker obviously in that browns offense you're gonna have to inline block if you're one of the two tight ends uses a lot of two tight ends and 61.2 run blocking grade is not good obviously but he's 240 pounds like we were worried hey 240 pounds is he even gonna is he even gonna be able to see the field but i think he actually showed can be respectable in that regard which is really all you need so they got a number of guys I'm encouraged to see, and obviously Jedrick Wills looks like a massive hit at this point. Last um, high-end draft class here, and then we'll get to the bad ones from 2020, at least for now. Obviously, the jury is still out on the 2020 draft class. Yeah, we'll, go, not, we'll go quick on those low yeah. ones. We don't want to yeah, bang them. Yeah. 
<laughs> to use your phrase. Steelers. That's not my phrase. It's your mom's phrase. All right, let's go to uh, round two, pick 49. Chase Claypool, wide receiver of Notre Dame, their first pick of the 2020 NFL draft. He obviously looked really, really good. And I think there were times last year I was like, I didn't like Claypool a ton coming out. We didn't like him overall a ton coming out, at least not compared to 49. Where was he on PFF's draft board that 72. year? 72. 72. And there was a couple times like, oh, his production's been good, a couple of contested catches, I get it. But then you, there was a handful of games where I went back and you saw him like legitimately separating on the outside. And it's like, oh, man, we missed something maybe because this guy was legit. Yeah. Um, after that, they didn't have another top 100 pick. But still, at 102, Alex Highsmith. We really liked Alex Highsmith. I'm not sure where he was on the draft board. I remember liking him maybe more than others did. But Alex Highsmith coming out of Charlotte at 102. Uh, Booger McFarlane Jr., Maryland running back at 124. Kevin Dotson slated to start here. He was picked at 135. Some good picks at, outside the top 100 as well. Yeah, Dotson's been very good for them. Uh, I believe he only allowed one pressure all last season. Wow, um, Garrett I, I, Bradbury wishes. Yeah, he, he'll like he'll be a starter long term. I, I would think to get that guy in the fourth round. Like I said, that's where we said the Drew Samia pick for the Vikings. You wish it was Kevin Dotson. Like that's what you can get at that point in the draft. You can get guards that could step in right away. So he's been a massive hit. Claypool obviously looks like a star in the making. Physically just dominant dude. And then Highsmith, one of the more underrated, under-talked-about picks in that draft, but reminded me, like, as a pass rusher year one, kind of reminds me of, like, Chase Winovich, kind of like body type, the way he attacks. And he has 71.4 pass rushing grade. He's got a mean spin in his game. Yeah, like, that's undersized, but knows how to get the job done despite really being on the low end uh, size-wise for the position. He also had some fantastic things to say in the interview I had with him before the draft about how to finish as a pass rusher and talked so much about bend. You know, he said, you know, you you can get pressure with explosiveness, you can get pressure with hand technique and that type of stuff, but you do not get sacks. You do not finish plays unless you can turn the corner and bend. And I think you see that on his tape. The spin moves are also pretty cool, but I'm interested to see how much better he gets. Like, I don't know how big his ceiling is or how high his ceiling is. Like, yeah. how much better does Alex Highsmith get in the NFL? Because I think he could be this type of player consistently. I'm not sure how much better he gets, but I'm interested. I'm interested to see how, how, how now he's going to be a starter. So I'm interested to see how he plays. Finishing with Ben sounds like Peroni's disease, in my opinion. I don't even know what the hell that is. Never mind. <laughs> All right, Atlanta Falcons. We're on to the bad draft classes now from 2020. Or not bad. I think bad's a little overaggressive, but disappointing. How about disappointing? Yeah. Some of the more disappointing ones. And I think the, the overall theme for the Atlanta Falcons here, they grab A.J. Terrell at 16, the Clemson corner. Marlon Davidson, a lot of hype out of him. People liked him as a first-round player. They grabbed him at 47, the defensive lineman out of Auburn. And then Matt Hennessy, who started a ton last year, I believe, um, is the center out of Temple. I think all three of those guys, and Michael Walker was a highlight. He graded well this past year. But all three of those first three picks just weren't ready. Like, were, they, were any of those guys ready to be legitimate contributors in year one? Well, I thought Davidson could. Um, but then, obviously, injuries, COVID, whatever. He got really zapped by that. But Terrell, yeah, I mean, I think if you just watched, if you watched the National Championship game, you kind of knew. It's like, hey, this guy is athletic, has the length, has kind of the profile. But he... Got torched against the NFL physicality, like Jamar Chase ate his lunch. So, comes in the NFL, shows some flashes, but it's like just year one was not, like you said, ready. So, this one's kind of a, again, a big TBD for all these bottom six uh, teams here we're going to highlight, but you, you wanted more. And what you got from yeah. these guys in first in their first season? I definitely think the word to choose is, is disappointing. You know, yeah, this exactly. next one we have here: Detroit Lions, number three overall pick, Jeffrey Kuda. High expectations. Everyone loved that pick. It was an A draft class for us originally. Just did not meet expectations in year one, and was thrown into the fire, the yeah. fi- the, the frying pan and the fire. I don't know that expression completely, but I know he was 
burnt last year. That's the only thing I do know. So Akuda, a disappointing start to his campaign. DeAndre Swift, low value position at 35. I would argue that's a concern. Then they grab one of your guys, Julian Aquara, the edge defender at Notre Dame at 67. Two offensive linemen after that, and Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg. Quintus Cephas, picked at 166, could start for this team this upcoming season. I think Jackson and Stenberg start as well. But still, disappointing contributions from their top picks. Yeah, so they got players 4, 28, 40 on the PFF draft board and our running back one, I believe. And so we love the draft coming out. But obviously... Year one, you would have liked more. Like, Aquara couldn't see the field. Swift has the drop, game-losing drop. That was then, tough, man. Yeah. I had a lot of money on that game, and, too. And for some reason, like, they start fucking Adrian Peterson over him, which is why. But um, I think I, Eric I still have Eager... High, like, this, this is a draft that can very much turn it around here in year two in a big way. Yeah, I would agree. I think it has a lot of comeback potential. Uh, Eric Eager, during that game, had a lot of money, I think, on the Lions. And he screamed oh, yeah. at the top of his lungs at DeAndre Swift, you little bitch. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Because Eric doesn't swear a ton. Yeah. Definitely doesn't swear as much as I do. Um, which is, not I'm not saying, I, that's a bad thing. I need, to, I need to tone it back. But still, him saying that, DeAndre Swift, I honestly was crying laughing upstairs when we were watching that game. All right. Next draft class year, Raiders. It was a C at the time. We gave it a C, and it's a C now. Henry Ruggs at 12, Damon Arnett at 19. And then after that, Lynn Bowden Jr. was drafted 80th overall for this team and was traded away before he even played it down. The Joker. You know what the big the joke was drafting him. The joke. Well, what's the joke exactly? I'm, I'm interested in what the joke is with Lynn Bowden Jr. But then Brian Edwards, who probably had the best minicamp of any rookie wide receiver yeah. and then literally could not see the field on one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL. And then after that, you don't even need to necessarily bring these guys up outside the top 100. But still, well, no, Tanner Muse was in the top 100. He was picked And John 100. Simpson was 109. Yeah. Two Clemson guys. Tanner Muse, I don't know if he even makes his football team this year. Then you have John Simpson, the interior offensive lineman that I think should see reps. The offensive line got significantly worse. You draft him at 109. You'd like to see him see reps. And Amik Robertson at 139, the Louisiana Tech corner that maybe sees some reps as a backup slot corner. We'll see where uh, Amik yeah. Robertson goes. But still, disappointing start to Henry Ruggs' season. There's some people that do feel that with help. You know, he was used. I, I but that's yesterday. like your best pick, though. You yeah. know, that, that's your best one. It's a disappointing start. Got outplayed by Nelson Aguilar, but that's your best pick. That's kind of why this is draft is here, is because you had five top hundred picks, and your best player was a, like a third wide receiver who's like a solid, shaky. deep threat, yeah. shaky to start. And I think how they used him was interesting. I mean, they did not give him a lot of scheme targets, especially after week one. Like, not, not a lot of screen stuff, not a lot of crossers. You talked about a ton in the pre-draft process. Henry Ruggs does not have a lot of proven deep receptions you know he did not get a lot of deep yeah. targets at alabama a lot of his production was underneath and then him burning people down underneath crossers, with you yeah. know, crossers and slants and these types of things and they did not do that a lot with him last year they ran him deep his average of the target i think was over 17 yards he did not get a lot of those opportunities on the underneath stuff kind of removing one of the better parts of his game the yards after the catch stuff matters and i think yeah. he had that and did not get an opportunity to do that so i do think you have to hope he's healthy and you have to hope he's utilized better this upcoming season after that though there's arguments for misevaluation. Like Damon Arnett was one of the biggest consensus reaches of the first round. Lynn Bowden Jr., you literally traded for a worse pick within weeks after drafting him. That, that's the one that's just like, I feel like that's the most indicative pick of kind of Raiders, this, this tenure of where it's just like, that's, if that's how poorly you misevaluate it and how poorly you misevaluate this guy fitting in in your roster. It's just, like you can't make mistakes like that big on was he the 80th overall pick? Yeah, you can't make mistakes that big. That's a valuable pick. There should be a guy that's contributing. At, at least start, like at least play. Yeah. 
did not play it down. I'm I'm honestly like sixty percent certain too that when he was called the Joker, Limbo Junior is a big tattoos guy. He has a ton of tattoos. I think he got a Joker tattoo and then was traded before he was even using that role. I, I I'm like fifty percent sure. I need to go back to the Instagram and look for that. But still, a, a disaster staff class for the Raiders. Disappointing to say the least. And like Limbo Junior, you, know, you talk about the Detroit Lions. Oh, this is a bounce back opportunity. These guys could come back. Limbo Jr. is not coming back for this team. Brian Edwards is going to be buried down the depth chart. I don't think he actually makes some plays this upcoming season. Muse, Simpson, Robertson, all going to be battling for spots on this football team. Henry Ruggs is the only bounce-back candidate, necessarily. And Ornette, potentially, but did not play well this past year. There's been reports that he has one foot out the door. Like that, like we're not sure what's going on with the Las Vegas Raiders draft class. All right, moving to the Seattle Seahawks. All righty. As I said, we just said we were not going to beg. Too hard. It's and tough, you, man. Though when you, you look, at, you went in. But just... the Raiders is, is is different than the Lions and the Falcons. Like I don't think you were there were glaringly bad processes with yeah. the Falcons and Lions. They just their, their players did not play well out of the gate. They still are on their football team though. Like, they didn't cut any of them or trade any of them. Yeah. With the Raiders. There's, it's a different story. Like There's yeah. a lot of conversation about process with the Raiders draft class. All right, Seattle Seahawks. We did not like their draft class coming out. It actually slightly improved since then. It was a C-minus originally. We have it as a C now. Linebacker Jordan Brooks at 27. Daryl Taylor, the edge defender out of Tennessee at 48. Damian Lewis played well out of yeah. the gate, started a ton for them. He was picked at 69. And then after that, they did not have another top 100 pick. The only notable there, probably Alton Robinson out of Syracuse. Yeah, I was going to say, Alton Robinson, Damian Lewis, Like you at least got contributors here. That's why... You get a you bump up the grade a little bit, but man, draft a backup linebacker with what they needed, and obviously we don't call the draft a short term decision, but it's like when does Brooks, when does he play? Uh, and obviously they do play a good amount of base, which like shouldn't they said a fellow like old school base base right now is nickel for every other team in the NFL except for the Seahawks, but yeah, it it that that pick I just don't know when he sees the field with Bobby Wagner. Uh, there, I, just, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's tough. Bobby Wagner, according to PFF's linebacker rankings that came out on PFF.com today, is the number one linebacker in the NFL, according to Sam Monson. All right, Houston Texans next on our list. Ross Blacklock. They did not have a first round pick here. They grabbed Ross Blacklock at forty. We were not as high on Blacklock as others were. I remember late in the process, some of the bigger NFL draft analysts were hyping up Blacklock. Loved his athleticism, these different things. But he's drafted at forty. Then you grab Jonathan Grenard out of Florida at ninety. And then at 126, Charlie Heck, who, man, that senior bowl tape, I remember watching it with Owen Reese. Big shout out to Owen Reese, who goes down to the senior bowl. I think he's an offensive line coach for Wisconsin Whitewater. Yes. And um, he would look at Heck and be like, what the hell is going on? What the heck is going on, maybe? But his sets were interesting, for lack of a better word, or maybe lack of more condescending word. But still, Heck at 126. John Reed might be their best pick here. I don't know. This is a tough one here. This is a tough one for the, the Texans. Yeah. So you, they didn't have a lot of capital, and they did not hit on the ones they had. They might not. They might not have a starter from this draft. That's tough. Like I don't, I don't know if these guys, any of these guys, are like legitimately going to be starters. All right, we saved the best for last. Tennessee Titans go from a C plus originally to a C minus. They draft Isaiah Wilson at number twenty nine, the biggest consensus reach of the first round according to the Athletics Consensus Board, and also a complete and utter bust for off the field concerns. You know, who's dancing topless in a parking lot? You know, which is what you hate to see. Topless? Do we call when guys is it topless or shirtless? I feel like when guys guys can't be topless. It's, it's more of a. Is it? Yeah, or maybe not. I don't know. Sometimes Quinn will say, "I got to pop the top." 
I don't know why I mentioned that, but I mean, in, in proper situations, I'm saying when he's like ready to go swimming. When you guys are together and you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have Christian Fulton drafted here at 61, who TBD on Fulton. Darrington Evans, running back at App State at 93. After that, Laryl Much, uh, Murchison, the NC State, NC State defensive lineman at 174. And then Cole McDonald, Hawaii quarterback, and Chris Jackson, corner out of Marshall in the 200s there. Yeah, but I mean, we you like, miss on Isaiah Wilson, it's rough. Yeah, you miss on Isaiah Wilson. That was the you worst pick in the first round fire. so far. Yeah. Um, Christian Fulton, we like coming out. They seem dead set on not having him play outside, though. Um, so we'll see. Like he couldn't didn't get a chance last year's. Uh, they obviously signed. I think he had some COVID nineteen concerns as well. Signed and drafted one guy, guy uh, Janoris Jenkins and Caleb Farley this off season to play outside. So we'll see what his role is in twenty twenty one. So he's the one that you're still like if you're a Titans fan, hold not hope for, but. Not a lot of hope outside of that in this draft. Yeah, it's, it's like Darrington Evans is like a scat back. You drafted at 93. He's not going to be the dude there ever. Janoris Jenkins, Caleb Farley, and Elijah Molden were all added this offseason. So, so yeah. path to the field for Christian Fulton is going to be interesting. Um, I'll mention this too with Isaiah Wilson. We talked about him being one of the biggest reaches of the first round according to consensus boards. I don't think it was for the reasons people saw though. Like it was, he was a reach exactly. because people didn't like his film yeah. and didn't think he, outside of being a monster in terms of size, Film wasn't there. The athleticism potential wasn't there. I, I don't think people didn't like him as a prospect on the field. That's yeah. why he was a reach. And the fact that he busted off the field is still wild to see. <laughs> wild to see. Um, cool, man. Well, that's yeah, going to do it. I, I think this is a really fun podcast. I had a lot of fun with this. 2020, 2019 NFL drafts. Obviously, the jury is still out on both these draft classes. TBDs. TBDs. A lot Three of TBDs. Years later. Except for the Raiders. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but some interesting conversation for sure. Moving forward, we got a mailbag coming up. Wanted to shout out the mailbag. Yes. we got a big mailbag coming up. We'd love to get your questions on Apple Podcasts. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Drop your question in there. We want to do a mailbag, I think, today or tomorrow or tomorrow or Friday. So get those questions in. We might send out a tweet as well. If we don't have enough, wouldn't be a bad idea to get some, get some tweet you know, tweet ones, you know, get some, get some stuff there going Mike. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But mailbag, mailbag opportunity coming up. And we also have the Tristan Wurst interview that's on its way. PJ Fleck interview on its way. A lot of cool stuff. Really excited about where two for one drafts is heading this summer. A ton of fun things until next time. Austin Gale, Mike Quinn, David Sofaro, Mike Renner, two for one drafts.